What is up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the Large Mouth Buck Podcast. I am your host, Justin Scott. And today we are going to continue to talk about turkey hunting for beginners. In the last episode, we talked about gear you would need if you are just getting into turkey hunting. And today, we are going to talk about what you need to do with said gear. We're going to talk about little tips and tricks that I have learned over the years turkey hunting. And let's get right into it, guys. So, you've got all your gear. You've got your license. You've got everything we spoke of in the last episode. You've got a firearm. You've got concealment. You know, a blind, camouflage, everything you need. Face mask, gloves, everything you need to turkey hunt. You've got it. So now it's time to go. I would advise that you do pre-season scouting. So what that means is for, I don't know, a week to two weeks leading up to turkey season. And then even in the month or two leading up to turkey, in the month or two leading up to turkey season, I want you going out and driving. This is all obviously if you have time. If you don't have the time, I get it. But if you have the time and you really want to dedicate yourself to killing a bird, your first bird, your first solo bird, whatever you're doing, you want to go out and drive and just be looking for turkeys with your eyes, right? We call that glassing. You're just going out and you're looking for turkeys anytime you're driving around. Another thing, you know, in the uh, week to two weeks leading up to the season, you need to get out and actually get in the woods, get boots on the ground. In the evening, some guys will go out and they'll do what's called roosting a bird. Uh, you can listen to them flying up at night. Me personally, uh, if I've got the time, I don't do a lot of that. I'm just going to go out in the mornings and just go and try and locate some birds. So first thing in the morning as that sun comes up, a big tom turkey is going to gobble. That, uh, that is him trying to find hens. That is... Essentially, a gobble is just a big mating call, if you will. I mean, they are communicating with hens to let the hens know, hey, I'm over here. So as soon as that sun starts to come up, um, you also get reaction gobbles. You might hear an owl, and you get that turkey hammering. Now, if you want to go out and use a hoot owl call, you can. I would stay away from any yelping or cutting. That's just me personally. Just preseason. I just don't want to do anything at all that could possibly booger those birds up. Now, in the morning, if you're walking in on an area and you think there's going to be turkeys, say you've seen them glassing, or just historically it's a good area, maybe it's an area someone has turned you on to. Um... As soon as I hear a gobble, I'm going to throw down a pinpoint on my Onyx app, and then I'm going to go ahead and 
I'm going to go ahead and get out of there and I'm going to move on to a new area. Um, Cause especially as soon as that sun starts to peak, when I get my first gobble, I'm going to move on. I'm going to go try and find another area. Now, by the time you get to the next area, there's a good chance that those birds are already on the ground, right? Uh, so now at this point, if you want to do a little light calling to just try to get an answer, as soon as you get the, if, if you do get a bird to answer, get out of there. Uh, you don't want them to come find you and it be obviously you without a weapon in your hands. So get your gobble, uh, get out of there. That's, that's just me. Me personally, that's what uh, that's what I do if I'm doing any preseason scouting. Get the gobbles, get out of there because if you don't booger them up and uh, you know wisen them up to the fact that they are being hunted, then they're gonna be there the next day, just like any other creature. They're creatures of habit. Um, now, different things can happen. You never know. I mean, uh, say you go the day before season say those turkeys are on their way back to roost where you roosted them you know say you say you go in the day before season you get a a turkey goblin in a certain area that morning before the you know as the sun's coming up and you're like perfect i'm going back there the next day you go back there nothing that's totally gonna happen just be aware of that so those turkeys, they, they have a kind of a, a lot of times a general routine, but you also got to remember they're wild animals. But once they do find a place that they like to roost where they feel safe, more than likely they're going to roost there every night. But you got to also keep in mind, they not they may not make it back to that spot. Um, some weather could move in. Uh, say they're on their way back to the roost in the evening and a pack of coyotes busts them up. At this point, they're just going to fly up and they're going to roost. They're going to roost wherever they feel safe, right, for that evening. They're going to kind of hunker down. Uh, roosting in a random tree is better than getting eaten by a coyote. So keep these things in mind. If you go that next morning and they're not there, go try a new spot. And if you don't have any luck that day, go back to that spot you knew they were roosting. At some point, they're, they're going to make their way back there. Um, one thing you got to be real careful of if you are trying to sneak in on a bird in the dark um, just don't get too close trust me don't get too close if at all possible I would advise not to use a flashlight now there are different approaches different people take different approaches some guys have a they will set up after that say they have a spot birds are roosting once they know they're down off the roost like the day before the season or two days or three days before the season they'll go set up a blind dang near on top of that roost you know 50 i don't want to say actually yeah i have seen guys set up 50 yards from a roost location a roost tree um you know i don't like to go any closer than but probably 75 yards 70 yards because i'm not setting up a blind but you can get in there and set up a blind and have it set up and ready that way you can slip into it in the dark nice and quiet um, i advise don't use your headlamp once you get within you know 
I don't know. This is just a random number, but I'd say within 100 yards. Um, I'd try to cut the headlamp off within 100 yards and sneak your way to your blind if that's the approach you're going to use. But me personally, I like to uh, I like to just run and gun, and I'm normally not going to like – like I've said in the past episode, I've got a little three-panel pop-up blind, and if I am hunting a bird off the roost, I will use that. But I don't set anything up and leave it overnight. Um, I just, I just have never really taken to that. You know, I'm a, I mean, I just feel like my shit's gonna get stolen. Honestly, Dad and I have set up ladder stands, and uh, a guy comes and takes. It was a three-piece ladder, two-man double stand. And uh, a guy came and took the bottom section of the ladder, so you couldn't get you couldn't get up in the stand because the bottom section was gone of the ladder. So I mean, if if a guy's willing to take that, absolutely, a guy will fold up a blind and walk out of the woods with it for sure. So there's just a lot of dicks out there on public land. That's one thing you'll have to you'll come to realize as you as you really start to dive into all this there's some really shit bag people out there and you know what you can't do anything about it you just worry about you and i just try to mitigate the losses by obviously you know not leaving a blind sitting out in the woods that's where if i was gonna do it it would literally be like the afternoon before opening morning i just because the less amount of time it's out you know the less likely it's gonna get tampered with I've also thought of uh, maybe you leave a note on it and say, hey, maybe, maybe this is a lie, but I don't think it matters. But you say, hey, this blind is set up for myself and my son or daughter, you know, opening morning. Maybe if you get – I feel like sometimes if you get a youth involved, even if the youth isn't really going with you, but if a youth is involved, I feel like a guy would be a lot less likely to – you know, mess with your stuff, be a lot less likely to steal it, be a lot less likely to vandalize it. I know I would, but at the same time, I'm not going to mess with it, whether it's got a note saying there's going to be a youth hunter there tomorrow or not. I just, people are different. So, um, especially deer hunting, you know, if people think you're coming in on their spot, which it's, it's not their spot, it might be an area they hunt, but it's not theirs, it's everyone's. So, when you're dealing with public land, just be aware of that. So that is, um, that's definitely preseason. You want to be ready and have some birds located. Now, if you listen to the last any of my other turkey hunting podcasts, you'll you'll you've heard that um, I I don't really have the time to do that. Um, now, shame on me. I should probably make the time, but I don't. I I like to go in and just wing it. I like to go in in the dark, find a, a big logging road that goes up and down through the haulers and hills. Preferably, I like to find one that stays on top of the ridges. That way, uh, I'm not getting too worn out, and I can really, really put in some miles if I'm just uh, staying on the ridge tops. 
but yeah, I like to find a, a old clear cut logging road or fire trail and just get on that sucker and take off and start making racket until I fire something up, whether it's on a limb or whether he's already on the ground. That is my, that's my style. That's kind of what I've come to love and how I, how I love to hunt turkeys. So I feel like I sit still enough during deer season. I'm not trying to sit up against a tree and freaking be patient. You know, you hear guys are like, oh, now, th now this is a real thing. Don't underestimate the power of this. If you're not a deer hunter and you're getting into turkey hunting, maybe you'll have the patience to just sit and, and wait a turkey out. But I do not. I, I am nothing but patient during deer season. There are a lot of times that I sit from sun up until sundown. And so I'm not, as I said, I'm not going to do that during turkey season. But I have heard that if you got a, a Tom, you know, goblin and he flies down, but he actually gets uh, hinned up with some, you know, obviously live hens. If you sit tight, he will eventually double back later in the day to check on you and see see if he's missed out on somebody. So that is 100% a possibility. You hear about a lot of guys killing midday gobblers because they just sit tight. Um, but once again, that's not my style, but that is another tactic. And guys, as you hunt and you gain experience, you will learn how you like to hunt. There are so many different ways to kill a turkey. There are so many different ways to kill a deer. There are so many different ways to catch a fish. And I'm sure the same per, per, uh, pertains to elk and antelope and moose and bear and all the other creatures uh, on God's green earth. So uh, just one thing that I will say is don't don't feel like you have to do it a certain way because that's how your cousin Jim Bob does it or that's how this turkey hunter that you've been following on YouTube does it. There is no set way. You will learn what works for you and what doesn't. As I just said, what works for me, what has worked for me up to this point uh, is just running and gunning. But that's a style that I like because I also like the exercise. I like to be out while I'm while I'm covering a lot of ground. I'm kind of glassing into the woods and I'm looking for sheds. I'm looking for old rubs. I'm looking for different deer sign. I'm just also just taking in the outdoors. Um, so yeah, that's that's what works for me. But 100%. You can get a, an old Tom to double back, and you can kill a, a midday gobbler just by sitting tight and being patient. So keep that in mind for sure. So, all right, now uh, you've got an area picked out, whether it's private, public. You've got the general area that the, this bird or these birds are roosting. So now, uh, yeah, you want to get in there before the sun comes up not only because you want to get in there while that gobbler is still on the limb but 
it's just going to be so much better getting in there at night. He's less likely to see you. Um, now, me personally, when I have one in to try and kill one off the roost, if I've got one roosted and I know where they're at, uh, I've I just it's just all about woodsmanship and trying to be methodical about your approach, right? So we, uh, this one particular area that I was going to there, there's these whippoorwills. Uh, whippoorwills are a type of bird and these things are loud and obnoxious and they literally, there's a, I think it's a Randy Travis. There's a Randy Travis song, um, said longer than the song of a whippoorwill that's a that there is meaning behind that lyric because when a whippoorwill sings it is a very very long it's a very long vocal uh vocal noise that they make right it's it's not like some birds or it's just doo -doo, doo -doo. i mean it's a very long essentially it's a song well, this general area that I was going into had a, a shitload of whippoorwills. So I went in. It was an old horse trail. And uh, this is a bird. I didn't end up ever killing off the roost here. I've not even killed a bird in this location. But this is just, I'm just telling you guys, you know, I was able to get pretty close to where this tom was roosted. Because every time those whippoorwills would start singing, I would move. And so, like I said, it was a horse trail, so it's not like I was going through the briars, but so no headlamp. And I, I've got the location of this gobbler. He's on top of a ridge, literally right off the horse trail. I was able to get to probably within 50 yards. Now, I think that story is on one of my old turkey hunting episodes, the story of that encounter. I ended up sitting up right between him and a hen. The hen was not making any noise until after I had been set down for a couple minutes. And uh, where he ended up pitching down, he came in, but he was behind me, not close enough to get a shot. But anyways, that, that's beside the point. You can go back and listen to that story in a, one of the previous turkey hunting episodes. But what I'm saying is that, you know, that's just woodsmanship, right? Some guys may not even take that into consideration. They go, oh, God, those birds are being loud, and that's it. And then they move on and they go. Well, I just would rest. I would hoof it when those whippoorwills were singing, and then as soon as they'd stop, I'd just stop and I'd catch my breath because this is hill country. So I'd stop and I'd catch my breath and I'd wait. And even if they started back up again, if I like, I would still just wait and be patient, and, and I'd still be moving but maybe slow. I would only move when the whippoorwills would sing. So it's little things like that to take into consideration. Uh, what's your best approach to that roost tree? How can you get in there and be the most quiet uh, and get as close as you possibly can to that bird? So, all right, you're in, you're, you're set up. Now, at this point, if you're listening to this podcast, more than likely you are a beginner. So you're probably no expert with a turkey call, and that's okay. I am not either. As I've told you in the last episode, master the cut and the yelp. If I'm sitting up on a bird from the roost, and I know that all I've got in my arsenal is a cut and a yelp and a 
uh, a mouth gobble, a shitty mouth gobble, then I've got I'm gonna hunt a little bit different than a guy that's gonna be able to sit there and cluck and purr and talk all the sexy noises to a big old gobbler. I'm, I'm my approach is different. And this comes back to what I said before. You don't have to be an expert at any of it. But if you're just decent enough at all of it, you can get the job done year after year after year. So I'm set up. I'm going to get him so fired up on the limb. I'm going to cut and yelp. And I'll probably do it. And I'll get a gobble. And then I'll cut and yelp again. And I'll get a gobble. And then I'll cut and yelp again. And I'll get a gobble. And then I'll cut and yelp. And when he gobbles, I'm going to cut him off with my gobble. And that's going to fire him up. And then I'm going to shut the hell up. And uh, I'm just going to sit tight. And as long as a live hen doesn't steal him from me, he's going to he's gonna come in. And uh, I'm going to have my deeks out. And as soon as he sees that hen decoy, I say deeks, but anymore I just use one solo hen. Just because it's easiest to run and gun without, you know, if I maybe off the roost, maybe I would get elaborate with my deke set up, but normally I don't. I don't feel like you need it. Um, you know, now he might be a little bit more cautious coming in because he heard that one gobble, but um, he doesn't know. And then I'll also, I'll shut up, but then probably with as, as long as it's light enough where I feel like it's time for them to fly down. I'll go ahead and do a fly down sequence with my hat. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with what that is, but essentially you take your hat off and you, you put your hand, your hand that the hat is not. So you're going to hold the hat with, by the bill and then you're going to lower your other off hand that doesn't have the hat in it. So I don't know, maybe a foot, eight inches above your thigh. The thigh that you're holding that hat in, the, on the same side of your body that you're holding that hat in. And you're just going to beat that hat back and forth between your hand and your thigh. So like a... And that sounds like their wings as they fly down. And then uh, once I do that, I'll do some kicking around in the leaves. Um... That's normally the, the time that I use if I haven't already got a spot cleared out. I use that instance right there to kick away all the leaves from the base of the tree that I'm set up against and clear out all the leaves. Uh, so, I, so now you sound like a turkey that's just flown down from the tree and now they're starting to kick around in the leaves as soon as they get down. And then once I've done that, it's all quiet. And uh, I'm hoping that now, there's some guys that got their decoys set up close enough to that roost tree that that turkey, as soon as it gets light, that, that gobbler can see their decoys from the tree. Now, I'm never going to get that close. I'm going to rely on my calling to entice them to come in and kind of check things out. Um, all right, so now the turkey comes in. Hopefully, everything works out for you. And boom, you get a shot and your hunt is done and you've killed your first solo gobbler. Guys, before we go any further into the podcast, I want to talk about 
bucked up supplements. It's what I've been using. I absolutely love their pre-workout. My go-to flavor, my favorite flavor, is Miami. It's the best tasting flavor of any pre-workout that I think I've ever had. The Miami fucked up pre-workout I use, it's called Woke AF, W-O-K-E-A-F, uh, Miami flavor. That one is a high stimulant, and it's got beta alanine in it. Guys, the beta alanine is what causes your skin to kind of get that tingly, burning sensation. I personally love that. I don't like a pre-workout that doesn't have beta alanine in it. I like that tingle because I take it. As soon as I start to tingle, I like to be in the gym by that time. And then I like to work and work hard and try to, you know, work hard until that tingle is gone. So, honestly, guys, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is the best tasting flavor I've ever had. Well, they also have Miami flavored energy drinks that are just as delicious. They've also got other delicious flavors like um, they've got a, I think they call it white gummy buck. Uh, they've got one or, or white gummy deer and then sour bucks. Those two flavors are also killer. They've got all kinds of different flavors. I don't know if there is a brand of pre-workout that has as many flavors, to be honest with you guys. So go check out Bucked Up Supplements. Um, use code Justin Hunts20 for 20% off. That's Justin J U S T I N Hunts H U N T S 20. Justin Hunts20 for 20% off at Bucked Up Supplements. Alright, guys, so let's move on. So say you weren't able to get that gobbler and a live hen enticed him or he came in and he caught your movement or something happened and you boogered him up. So now you've got to go to plan B like that doesn't mean the hunts over. I know you're going to be extremely bummed out, but me personally, that particular bird, I would probably abandon him. Now you don't have to, but if you're not going to abandon him, you need to do a huge a huge circle in the direction you think he's going. Maybe, maybe, maybe you think he's going to a field. Maybe you kind of got an idea, like maybe you know they like to go out to this open field and strut and kind of look for bugs after they fly down from the roost. If you if you know that, if you can think of an area close by that you think they're gonna go, him and that live hen, or just him in general. I would say go there, but try to get on like the other side of the field and, and maybe get a setup going on like that or even just call. And you, if you can get him to gobble, if he gobbles and he acknowledges you and says, hey, like if you if you call and he gobbles, that's him acknowledging you. Sit tight. Okay, sit tight once you've re relocated. When I say relocated, I don't mean from that original spot. You move 50 yards and try to call him in again. You'll sit there, and if he saw it was if he saw you, you're gonna sit there and you're gonna gobble to him, and he'll gobble back, or you're gonna call to him and he'll gobble back. There's a good chance he's never gonna come in. He they're they're not that smart, but they also aren't 
what I would call stupid birds. So when I say relocate, I'm talking relocate hundreds of yards. So you've got on the other side of this field. Now at that point, if he answers you and acknowledges you, that is when you can just sit tight. Like, okay, he's acknowledged you. He's probably far enough away from that first time where you boogered him up and he's probably done forgot about it. He's got on some hens. They're out in the field. They're going to mess around. He's going to pretty much hang out with those hens until they go lay on their nest. So those hens are going to go to their eggs. They're going to they're going to forage around for the morning and then they're going to go and they're going to lay down on their eggs. And they're going to sit there on those eggs. And once they do that, that to me in my own after my own personal experiences, that is your best time of day to kill uh, a tom. Is as soon as those hens go to their nest, those toms are going to break away, and they are going to be eager and ready and willing to answer your call and come in and and see what hen has not yet either been bred or, or just just what what hen is this? Is this a strange hen that I don't know about? That, that to me is just, it's the best time. So, as I said, if you booger up a Tom first thing, no need to fear. It seems like about, I don't know, 10, 10.30. Could be a little later, could be a little earlier. It just depends on your area. Depends on, uh, you know, just really how the birds in your area are acting. But once you've boogered up that first bird, don't get down in the dumps. If you, if you don't want to do the plan I said, it's it's okay. You can completely abandon that bird and maybe go just find another area to walk and see if you can't strike another one up. Um, and then maybe go back to that other bird the next morning because uh, you, you can get you can get birds, you know, you can get them to uh, answer your calls uh, multiple days in a row and you can really a lot of times they'll go right back to that same area to roost I've had it happen uh, didn't steal the deal but I've had birds uh, actually a group of toms that I've hunted multiple days in a row and had very close encounters with um, now even if you got a bird off the roost and you got like the best setup in the world and you got your blind and you got your deeks and you think everything's gonna happen Sometimes it doesn't happen, and sometimes they don't even get hinned up, right? I, I've had that happen. I was hunting with a buddy and his dad, and the birds flew down, and they didn't get hen they didn't get hinned up. That we ended up finding them out on a gravel road, and they were just together, just two gobblers together. Um, so you just at the end of the day, you got to remember they're wild animals, but promise, like. I promise you, if you don't give up and you stick with it, it will happen. And trust me when I say that once you have put in a bunch of work and uh, been outsmarted multiple times, once it does eventually come together, you are going to be so happy that you stuck with it and you stuck it out. Just, just trust me on that one. Stick it out. Don't give up. Um, you know, another strategy that I said, if you know people that are turkey hunters, that's your best bet, you know, if you really want to just trying to kill your first bird, because 
if you don't have woodsmanship, if you've never, uh, if you've never squirrel hunted, duck hunted, rabbit hunted, if you've never done any kind of hunting, then you're gonna be lacking woodsmanship. That's just a fact. So it is. That's a tall ask for someone that has never spent a lot of time in the outdoors dealing with chasing wild game. That's a tall ask to try to go out and kill a solo turkey. Trust me, that is a very, very, very hard thing to do. Um, you can, you'll see some of the most seasoned veteran turkey hunters, and they will have there's, – there's times that they have trouble killing a turkey. So just be patient. Stick with it. I think that is going to wrap up this episode of like beginner tips and tricks. Um, I think, I think looking at all my episodes, I think I've really covered most of the things I could tell you. Now it's hard to find that balance. A lot of guys say like, don't overcall, and I agree with that. But like, don't undercall either. Sometimes it's smart to just get them to acknowledge you and then shut up. But just like anything else. Most birds are different. Like not any one gobbler is going to be the same. Some of them are going to be very skittish. Maybe maybe some of them live in, maybe it's an area and you're not aware of it, but maybe it's an area that has a, a boatload of coyotes. And if they're used to living around a shitload of coyotes, maybe they're going to be super skittish. Maybe it's an area where this, this, this turkey has come of come to age and hasn't really dealt with any predators so maybe he's just dumber in a box of rocks and he comes right in and you just sound like a dying maybe your calling is absolutely terrible and you sound like a dying hen and he doesn't even care you just it's hard to really know i can't tell you everything i can only i can only give you tips and pointers and guide you you just have to get out and build that woodsmanship and just do it. But I promise you, once you've committed it, like once you've committed to it and you've bought the gear and you're like, I want to be a turkey hunter, trust me, stick with it. It only gets better. You're only going to get better. Um, so, yeah, that's I think that's all I've got for like beginner tips and tricks. Just get out there. Woodsmanship. You can never practice your calling too much. Um, if you learn how to, if you learn how to cluck and purr, I, I know it's probably easy. I just haven't taken the time to learn because I haven't had to. I already devote enough of my time to deer hunting and bass fishing and cat fishing and uh, smallmouth fishing and just, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a largemouth fisherman, a smallmouth fisherman. I like to chase catfish, crappie, just all of it, deer. I like to do all the things, so um, I try to avoid dumping time into it that I feel like is unnecessary. And for me personally, learning to cluck and purr has just not been a necessity. Now, I know there's a lot of hardcore turkey hunters that would totally mock that and be like, this guy's an idiot. You need to learn how to do those things, but I just, you know, that that's what I've mentioned in previous episodes, don't let other people dictate how you hunt or fish. It is your tag. Hunt how you want. 
whatever you now now if I was going out and I bought a tag for the last three or four years and went out every year and wasn't killing birds and was still sitting here and saying oh I don't need to learn how to cluck and purr I don't think you need to learn how to do that then I would understand I would understand someone mimicking or like scrutinizing me and being like look dude you're not even killing birds but I'm going out and I'm consistently filling my tag on solo hunts on public land and I'm not an expert turkey caller I'm just I'm living proof that you don't need to to be what everyone thinks you need to be I mean trust me I get very intimidated when I see these guys on stage at these turkey calling competitions and I'm like oh my god like back in the day it kind of turned me off from turkey hunting a little bit because I saw that and I'm like I'm not I've had a call in my mouth I'm not nearly that good why why am I going to waste my time and go out and turkey hunt when I know I can't call in a bird because obviously this is what it takes guys that is not at all what it takes that is just above and beyond you got to remember it's almost like social media versus reality okay those guys doing the turkey calling contests that is social media in real life that is not reality that is not even how a real live hen sounds out in the wild they they sometimes they're not very vocal at all so just go out learn what you need to learn you do you don't worry about what other people think but I promise you I in my personal opinion cutting and yelping are are a necessity because you use that cut to locate when you're out trying to fire one up midday uh, or late morning use that cut to locate use that yelp to suck them in so all right guys i hope you learned something from this podcast uh we got a lot of podcasts coming up in the future i have been i've actually had a couple people on instagram dm me and ask questions um and ask if i could answer those questions on the podcast so i think i'm going to open up a q a and then do some podcasts that are strictly q a uh, so yeah, I've gotten some questions on Instagram. If you want to DM me questions, do that on Instagram. Uh, you can also do it on Facebook or TikTok. I am not gonna just give out my email because uh, my email is already flooded with all kinds of spam, and it's it, I don't want your question to get lost in the fray. So if you've got questions that you want me to answer on the podcast, go ahead and DM those questions and. Uh, I'm pretty much an open book. Anything you want to know about hunting, fishing, if I can answer it, I'll answer it. If I cannot, I will do my best to uh, find someone who can or, uh, yeah, just any questions you might have about me, about my lifestyle, whatever you want to know. So, yeah, guys, that is it for this episode. I just want to thank you guys for listening. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to follow on all social media platforms. I really appreciate you guys' support and I will catch y'all on the next episode. I'm out.